I can't tell you how many guys and gals that I have heard, especially from law enforcement, that are saying, I can't do this anymore. I cannot do this anymore. I don't have the support of A or B or C. This isn't for me. I'm miserable here. I don't want to do this another day. I got to find something else to do. And some of them do find something else to do. For some, that's the best. Okay, that's the best choice. For others, this is exactly where you're supposed to be. Thin Line Believers is a Christ-based outreach for the men and women who walk the thin line between good and evil, order and chaos. Our motto is, our service for his glory. To the police officers, veterans, firefighters, corrections, paramedics, dispatchers, and whoever else may join us, we are so glad you're here. Welcome, welcome again. So I am I am back to solo for the first time in quite a while. You've got Adam this week here on Thin Line Believers. And Michael, our good friend there, he is bringing a message to Calvary Chapel down there in uh, Arizona. And Josiah, he's working. And Steve, he's working like crazy. So I'm here this week to just bring you a, a short little blip. I'm going to call it a blip. Just kind of what's on my mind and and uh, and and then we'll move along because I don't want to skip a week just because just because some of the guys are busy. I I want to make sure that uh, that we're consistent for you the listener. Because there there are a group of of loyal listeners who have have really encouraged us to keep going with this podcast and so we don't want to we don't want to lose that uh that support there but this week i've been kind of looking back over the past year at the struggles that we have faced as first responders and and especially in the field of law enforcement right and that's not to say that there haven't been struggles elsewhere. If you're listening to this and you're not in law enforcement, if you're not a first responder, that's fantastic. Thanks for tuning in because every one of us has a job to do. That job isn't necessarily who we are, right? I, I My job is not podcasting, okay? That's what I do for the Lord. This is part of the ministry that he's called me to. As a police officer or a firefighter, or say you're a pastor, or maybe you sell insurance. That's that's the the conduit that God has chosen to provide for you, right? So I appreciate you tuning in today. And I just want to acknowledge that all of us have faced some gnarly difficulties over the past year. You know, I like the way Michael puts it. He calls it a scamdemic. You know, we've, we've dealt with this, or I like to call it a plandemic. Okay, we, we've all had to deal with this, this stuff over the past year where government has taken a, a, a lot of our liberties. Um, they've decided that they know better than we do. Okay, and so that has then created some some difficulties. Granted, here in the U.S., it is better than a lot of other countries. But I, I'm rambling. What I want to talk to you about this week 
is just one of the passages, one of the verses from the Sermon on the Mount. Now, coincidentally, and this wasn't my intention, but coincidentally, uh, I, I actually watched the season finale of The Chosen. Okay, If you haven't watched that, I recommend it. It's, it's a good... The spirit of it is good as as far as you know the the four gospels that we find in the Bible. Okay, this the spirit of it I believe is in line with with what the Bible is teaching us. No, I'm sure it's not exactly like it, but the spirit is there. Okay, but all that to say that the the final episode of season two there it was it had to do with the Sermon on the Mount and the building up to the Sermon on the Mount. So it's just, it's, it's coincidence. If you believe in coincidence that, that this verse was on my mind, it wasn't quoted in the, in that sermon necessarily. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, but it wasn't really a focus of it, but this had already been on my mind and I I don't, I don't remember why exactly, but, uh, there's, there's part of this in Matthew chapter five that I want to touch on. But before we do that, let's say a quick prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to speak about you, to hear about you, to learn about you, and to honor you. And we pray that uh, this time together we'll do exactly that. Amen. Okay, so if you want the scriptural citation here, we're in Matthew chapter 5, and it is verse 14. Ye, as you can tell him in the King James Version, gotta love ye. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. The light of the world. Why is this something that I've been thinking about? So, since creation, right? Since the beginning of creation... We see in Genesis this light and darkness, and God separated the two. So there has been a separation of light and darkness since God created both. And even today, it's so easy, even from the time you're a small child and you're flipping the lights on like crazy, driving people nuts, trying to cause some sort of seizure, you know that when you turn the light on, the darkness flees. But when you shut the light off, if it's dark out, it'll flood right back in. And then here in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus tells his listeners, you are to be light, a city on a hill. Now over the past year, it's felt more like darkness. And how interesting it is that so many of these riots and these kinds of things, they occur in the darkness, right? Molotov cocktails, all that stuff. It's always more dramatic because it happens when it's dark out. Now, I I think that is very purposeful because the darkness is a representation of the enemy. Jesus came into the world as the light. In John, the first chapter, John describes Jesus as the Word, right? In the beginning was the Word, the Word with God, the Word was God. And it says, 
He was the light. In fact, that's, I don't want to mess this up because that is one of my absolute favorite passages. So let's get this right. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. See, they can't be mixed. You can't mix light with darkness. So when we, or when you, go out into the world, in these darkest of times, it's your job to bring Jesus with you. He was the light of men, it says. He still is, right? And he lives within us. And we are to bring light into the darkness. Now, I'm not saying that we need to go and hang out in the darkness. In fact, the Bible tells us just the opposite. It says to not associate yourselves with such men, okay? These, the perverse men, okay? Um, and women not being sexist. What I am saying is that there was never an intention for light and darkness to coexist in harmony. We were in, it's God's intent that you and I are the light bearers and we're to bring that light into a dark world through his, his love, his mercy, his goodness, his grace. We are to be those who, <laughs> I don't want to say ooze, right? Because there's only a couple things that should ooze. But we're to be those that exude that light, okay? And over the past year, it's been really difficult to do that. Because it seems like more and more, instead of bringing light into places, what we're really trying to do is beat back the darkness. And it's gotten a lot of us really, really weary. Take, for example, Portland Police Bureau. Not a department, they're a bureau. If you're listening from Portland, well done, you're a bureau. So, take them for example. They have been trying to beat back the darkness for over a year. And finally, when beating back the darkness has proven futile, or futile, they have finally said, okay, enough is enough, we're done, right? And you all know the circumstances of all that with the prosecutor and everything else. But the point is, we're still trying to beat back the darkness. And I'm not saying that that's a mistake because I'm sure there's a lot of believers there in Portland, okay? There's a lot of believers on those teams. There's a lot of believers in that department, sorry, Bureau in that bureau. But sometimes the battle is too big for us to just go swinging at the light. You know, I, I think it was John Corson who years ago said, you know, why do we yell at the light or sorry, yell at the darkness, scream at the darkness, start swinging, you know, throwing punches at the darkness when really all we have to do is turn on the light. And in this case, and in every case, right, the, the light really is the Son of God. It's Jesus Christ. And so the point I want to make today, and this is what I want to leave you with, 
this is really what's been on my mind is this city on a hill. Who lights the city on a hill? Who ultimately lights the candle? Who is the light? Okay, we flip on the switch, but really, who's the light? And I, th- I think, unless this is the first time that you're tuning into this uh, podcast, you know exactly who I'm talking about. And we're to fill our lives with that light. I think it's really telling for you and me to, to understand that Moses went into the wilderness for years. Moses went into the wilderness for years. Noah spent years preparing the ark. Elijah went into the wilderness. Paul, here, Paul, who was originally called Saul, when he was called into the ministry, he went into the wilderness for years to be prepared. In order to go into law enforcement or, or into firefighting or to become a paramedic, to become a pastor, to become a, a specialized, um, uh, I don't know, worker in whatever specialized field that you're in, you don't just walk into it and start working. And the same holds true for being a believer. Yes, you can receive the word and you can start sharing it immediately. That's fantastic. But in order to be filled with the light, I think it takes some time in the wilderness. And for many people, this past year has been wilderness time. And if you're focusing on the Lord and receiving what he's what he's given you in the, in the past year of difficulties, then you are being prepared. But if you're fighting back, if you're just swinging at the darkness, there's really not going to be any preparation there. It, it's it's going to be insanity, right? Trying the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. It's insanity. So this is like Job, just like all those others who have faced trials in the Bible. It's those who call out on their creator who ultimately see success, but it's those who swing at the darkness, fight back against it, and ultimately give up to the things of the world. You know, those are the ones through Samuel, Kings, uh, uh, Chronicles that we see who it says, and -and so-and-so did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Well, those are the ones that just gave into the world and did what what felt good in the time. Even with all the trials that they faced, they wouldn't turn to the Lord. So I think the lesson for you and me is, in order to be a city on a hill, we have to turn to the Lord. What does it mean to be a city on a hill? What I okay in in my imagination, I see this city on a hill, all lit up, and I'm down below in the darkness, right? If I want to be that city on a hill, that place looks to me like a city of refuge. Okay, it looks to me like a city where there is food, there's water, there is housing. You know, there's uh, there's community, fellowship, and that's what I want to be. When Jesus describes his followers as a city on a hill, that's what I want to be. I want to make sure that I'm a refuge for those who are weary. I want to be sure that I am comfort for those in need. I want to be sure that I am always pointing 
to Jesus, who is the true light, who is the source of the light that is in me. And so if you're doing that, that's great. I think that that's what the city on the hill is meant to be. And if I'm not being the city on the hill, what's my other option? I'm, I'm probably in the valley. And it's probably time to call on the source of light so that I can be brought up out of that valley. So to finish it off, this reminds me of, this reminds me of a guy named Elijah. Now, it's a little confusing because there was Elijah and there was Elisha. I, I think some call him Elisha or Elisha. I don't know. Anyway, Elijah. Okay. There was a point in time, and I love telling my kids this story because they just love it. But I'm going to shorten it even more. Like it's bedtime, right? And I'm tired. So Elijah, there's several years of drought, right? Like three and a half years of drought. He goes to the king. King hates him, obviously. He knows it's his fault. Never takes responsibility. Responsibility. I have a, sorry, swollen tongue. Anyway, for the, his own actions that caused this drought. Ultimately, he says, hey, you call these prophets of Baal, this false god, and I'll, you know, call on my own god here. They have a challenge. The prophets of Baal, basically the challenge was call to your god. Here's a sacrifice. If God, your God sends fire, he's the true God. If my God sends fire, mine is the true God. Goes through this whole spiel. Uh, ultimately, God, Jehovah, our God, sends fire, devours the uh, sacrifice there. Elijah has this great victory. He kills all the prophets of Baal. Uh, sends us, He's in prayer after that, sends a servant out to look toward the ocean. Finally, at some point, clouds come in, and Elijah takes off, actually outruns the, the king's chariot down the hill, and then the king's wife threatens Elijah's life. And Elijah takes off into the wilderness. He takes off into the wilderness. He sits down by what they call a broom tree. Some say it was a juniper tree. I'm surrounded by juniper trees. I would prefer any other kind of tree, personally. But he sits down next to a juniper tree. And he basically says, Lord, I'm done. Just kill me. I don't want to do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. Just kill me. And I've been there. I think if you're listening to this, we've probably all been there. We've all been by that tree and we've all been to the point in our lives where we're like, maybe we're not ready to do it ourselves, okay? And I don't want to encourage that in any way, shape, or form. But maybe like me, like Elijah, you've been by that tree in depression and you've said, God, just, just bring me home. Take me to heaven. Get me out of this place. I'm done. I am done. And that's probably been the past year for most of us. I can't tell you how many guys and gals that I have heard, especially from law enforcement, that are saying, I can't do this anymore. I cannot do this anymore. I don't have the support of A or B or C. 
this isn't for me. I'm miserable here. I don't want to do this another day. I got to find something else to do. And some of them do find something else to do. For some, that's the best. Okay, that's the best choice. For others, this is exactly where you're supposed to be. But you're under the broom tree, man. For me, I was under the tree for quite a while. And that doesn't mean that that you have to stay in the career that you're in right now. But I kind of wonder sometimes, is the career what has gotten you to the point where you're at? Or is it just the words of some lunatic queen saying, I'm going to kill you, that set you down the wrong path? Is it the media saying you're no good and that you're racist and it sent you down the wrong path? When you know darn well that you're not a racist and, and you do the job for the right reasons. Here's what helps me to get through those times. I know that I am made to be a city on a hill. I know that I am supposed to be helping other people. And if, and if I'm wallowing myself, if I am so consumed with my own problems, with the problems of the world, then yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be a, a super depressed guy sitting under that tree saying, Lord, just take me out of here because I can't do it anymore. So we're, we've all been in that position, but we got to be a city on a hill. We have to be the ones that are helping our brothers. We have to be the ones that look at our, our jobs or our life situations as an opportunity for ministry. And if you're going through a dark place, understand that God's preparing you. He's allowing you to be prepared for something bigger. Now, sometimes we go through dark places because of stupid decisions we make. I've done plenty of those too. But God can use you in your stupid decisions too to prepare you for what's next. You and I were brought into this place to be ministers for Jesus Christ. We are cities on a hill. We are light. We are salt. That's who we are. Understand that God is our Father. He loves us. He disciplines us. And he prepares us for a glorious eternity. That's all I really got for tonight. I don't want to blather on any more than I already have. So uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he give you an amazing week. May he, may he reveal his goodness to you, his, his grace toward you in the coming weeks, in the coming days ahead. And in Jesus' name, we're ready. Bring us home if you're willing. Rapture us out of this place. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Take care, you crazy people.